We really don't hear the term uh, Gaudete Sunday anymore, which is today. Uh, Gaudete, a word uh, that means joyful or to be filled with joy. Of all of our uh, seasons, liturgical seasons during the year, Advent was the very last one to come along. Christians, Catholics, began to reason that, you know, Good Friday, Easter, they have this whole penitential season to get ready. So they began to think that when we celebrate the Nativity of the Lord, what we call Christmas, that it should have a penitential season. So the notion of Advent began to develop. It had eight weeks, it had six weeks, since back and forth all over the world, but finally it had four weeks. And it had a very heavy penitential character, just like Lent does. And just like Lent, you know, they thought, you know, there comes a point where we need to let up a little bit uh, so people can, you know, build their anticipation and their excitement. So like Latare Sunday and Lent, where we wear the road vestments, they added this Gaudete Sunday. But because most of the penitential disciplines were lifted on this particular Sunday, we no longer wore the purple. Instead, you know, kind of things are changing, so you take the blue out of it and you get the rose vestments, a reminder of how close we're getting. Well, Advent is no longer seen as a penitential season. It's seen as a season of preparation. And it's also a season that's intended to teach us how to wait. The hallmark uh, of the Jewish faith from the very beginning, was this notion of waiting for the Messiah. Now, initially, they didn't need the Messiah, but then as life goes on, yes, they did need somebody to come and set the world back in balance. And so they developed this whole literature, and it begins truly with Isaiah and Jeremiah, about waiting for that one king that's going to come and save us. So there's this whole notion of waiting. And the Jewish people then and the Jewish people now, they have such a strong sense of something to come, a strong sense of always waiting. And in, in our Christian side, well, Jesus came, so we're not waiting anymore. And we would be wrong. Yes, Jesus came. But we still are waiting. We're waiting, just as the Jews waited for the Messiah to bring balance, we're waiting for the return of the Messiah to bring everything finally into complete balance. We too are waiting. And, and so Advent takes on a very different sense than a penitential season, but a season of preparation so that it can point us toward something else still to come. Now, the first two Sundays of Advent are about the second coming, and then this Sunday and next Sunday are about getting the proximity. In other words, we're getting ready to celebrate the actual feast of the Nativity of the Lord. But it, it's, it's so great because the Christmas season really helps us understand waiting. And we can go back to our children, you know, and understand their sense of waiting. You know that 
Many of them have already seen St. Nicholas, maybe have seen Santa. You know, the Christmas trees are up in most of our homes, decorations are up. You know, so, you know, they're starting to develop some excitement. You know, they're, they're churning up, you know, waiting for that day. I don't know if I said it at this Mass or it was at 11 o'clock, but this time of year when the children come up in the communion line, when I pray for them, I always say, we ask God that he will help you be good for Christmas. And one little boy looked at me, he had to have been about six maybe, he, he looked at me and said, thanks, I needed that. But, you know, just ponder the waiting of children, waiting for that great night when Santa comes. You know, how hard they want to try to stay awake, to catch a glimpse. You know, it, it's... And then, you know, you can't blast them out of bed to go to school with four tons of TNT. But on Christmas morning, they're getting you up. They're so excited. Then we get to the tree, we see what Santa brought, they rip open their presents, it's all exciting. And then all the presents are opened, and there they are, all that anticipation. And I was at one family's house on a Christmas morning, and, and they had some gifts for me to open, and I, and I had gifts for them to open. But anyway, uh, the youngest in the family, a little girl, she was seven at the time, and, and she opened up the, what I gave her, and then she, you know, said, look at all this. Father, that's it. That's a whole ball of wax. There isn't anything more. <laughs> you know, it's, it, anticipation builds, and it comes, and then how quickly it sort of ratchets back down. But just a, you know, a great moment, though, and very helpful. But, you know, there's the, how a child waits for Christmas. But, the fun is dispersed, maybe not in the next 10 minutes, but over some time, the fun is dispersed. You know, and there's another kind of waiting. It's, you know, quite a few of us went to college, and we know what it's like toward the end of the first semester. You know, it's, we got papers due, we've got exams coming up, and, you know, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, for those of us who aren't exactly timely, Oh my gosh, I got two papers due in three days. You know, and you know, we all know what an all-nighter is. You know, and, and then the, the, the cramming sessions to get ready for those exams. And what enables us to do an all-nighter night after night and get all that stuff done is the thought that, say, on Thursday at noon, my last example is over, last exam is over, I'm out of here. And that anticipation of noon on Thursday gives us what we need to endure, to make it happen, you know, to get the papers written. It should have been written earlier, but get the papers written, you know, to get the cram sessions done, to be ready for those exams. And it's that moment that's always right there before us. We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting for that moment when we know all of this will be done. Then we either head to the airport, we get in our car, get in somebody else's car, we feel the stress draining off of us, 
then it's sort of over. Now, we're excited to get home. Our parents are excited to, to, to see us. We walk in the door, you know, us guys, we walk in the door. Hi, Dad. Hi, Mom. Mom, here's my laundry. You know, and then, you know, a night with the parents, and then what happens? They're off with their friends, you know, and you, you, parents have been waiting for them, you know, happy to see them, uh, you know, and then they're off doing other things. But, but yet there is that sense of this thing, this date, and it makes it possible for us to keep going. And that's a little bit like the Advent waiting. You know, we look for that. We don't have an exact time. I don't think, you know, in all likelihood, Jesus isn't going to show up on Thursday at noon. If he does, it gets me out of paying this quarter's taxes. But, you know, it's that thought that can keep us going, keep us faithful, keep us enduring. But there's one more kind of waiting that is much more like Advent. It's the type of waiting that begins when a wife tells her husband, we are going to have a baby. They are excited. Many of you were excited. And from that moment, those nine months, You don't need that baby to be born for life to change. The moment you find out, life changes. And everything about you as a couple, or if there are already other children, you know, helping those children prepare for the birth of a sibling, the grandparents, all of that, everything changes. We even begin to change our homes so that when this child comes, there's a place in our house. That's Advent. That sense that something fantastic is coming. And and just the knowledge alone changes the world and changes us. So we always want to, in Advent, get back in touch with that sense that we still wait. You know, it's hard to wait for something when you don't know the date, the time, nor the hour. You know, it's like I was watching a show last night on how the world and all human life might be destroyed by a comet. And they get you all stirred up and they say, well, it'll probably be another 100, 200,000 years before it happens. You know, but you still got this thing. It's like, well, is a comet going to get us today? Is a comet going to get us today or an asteroid? But it is hard to wait for something that we don't know the day, the time, nor the hour. But... We wait. We wait. The Lord is already with us, like a child is already there, even if in the womb. But we look for that day. In the Our Father, when we pray it, we pray, you know, the Our Father. And then as Catholics, we stop. You know, we don't go straight into, for the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours. And a lot of our Protestant brothers and sisters say, well, you Catholics don't say the whole Our Father. Well, you know, I always point out, and I said, well, you believe in Scripture, right? Yeah. Well, the last time I looked for the kingdom, the power, and the glory of yours is not in Scripture. We Catholics say the scriptural version. Of course, they look at me, and whatever. (laughs) That phrase, by the way, and what we call the embolism, 
very, very old prayers. They're, uh, they can be found in a book of collected documents of the church from the first two or two centuries of the church. It's called the Didache. And in that, there's Eucharistic prayers, there's teachings, there's some rules, kind of a, you know, fragments of things all gathered together in one book called the Didache. And in that is what we call the embolism, the bubble. It's right in Mass, it's right there. We finish, you know, but deliver us from evil. And then the priest continues on, deliver us, Lord, from every evil. It begins the embolism. And then we finish with praise for the kingdom, the power, and the glory of yours. Let's hear it with new ears today, knowing that we wait. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may always be free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ.